Share care, helping you. Get younger, get guidance, get better care, get smart, get fit. Radio MD presents Share Care Radio with Daria Long Gillespie, MD. Hi, and welcome. This is Dr. Daria. Welcome to Share Care Radio on Radio MD. Today, we're doing a really special thing for our Ask Dr. Daria, and that we're also simultaneously doing a Facebook Live segment. So everybody, if you're on Facebook Live, if you're not, go to sharecare.com backslash Dr. Daria. I'm sorry, go to facebook.com backslash Dr. Daria. If you want to ever listen to these segments, of course, go to sharecare.com backslash Radio MD. And you can find all of our segments, post your questions in the comments, and I will try to answer as many of them as I can during this segment. I also do a weekly Facebook Live segment for Sharecare every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we're again going to be doing that again today. So post any of your questions here or on Sharecare. We'll make sure to try to answer them today or next Tuesday. So let's get into today's questions. Our first question was from one of our callers, Renee DN. And she said, do you consider the paleo diet healthy? Well, Renee, I like, I love when anybody's trying to take advantage of their health and take control of it. And but the paleo diet, vegan diet, whatever you're doing, I want you to be a very careful when you try to limit any food group and b what you are eating and the quality of the foods that you're actually eating make as much or even more important than just eating a food group at all. So let's dive into that and what I mean. What does paleo mean? So the idea behind paleo is that, you know, our cavemen ancestors ate this. It must be what our bodies are intended to be eating. And to a certain extent, that's true. The uh, average caveman, uh, if you were trying to replicate his diet, had ate three times more produce than the typical American does. They had more protein, more fiber, more omega-3 acids, and they didn't even need a supplement, Uh, more vitamins and minerals, and much less saturated fat and sodium. So let's think about today's average American diet. One of the top sources of calories are refined grains and sugars. So those weren't in the paleo diet. So what I like about the paleo diet is it really focuses on fruits and vegetables, a lot of that. And it also focuses on, which is going to give you nuts and seeds and protein. All of those are going to, especially the fruits and vegetables, going to give you a lot of fiber in your diet, a lot of vitamins and minerals. So I love that. Um, Let's look at what it eliminates, though. It eliminates grains. Now, for people with celiac, celiac disease, of course, for them, gluten is a problem. Other people may find that gluten uh, maybe impairs their digestion a, a little bit. But for the vast majority of people, gluten and grains are not a problem. So for those people, I would say you don't have to really eliminate that fully. Stick to small portions, maybe like a half a cup, um, low glycemic grains like black rice or quinoa. Stick to that kind of grains and not the high sugar, really refined grains. Number two in the paleo diet is that they eliminate legumes or beans. Now, I disagree with this because I think beans are a great source of fiber and protein and minerals. And as part of a balanced diet for most of us, beans are beneficial. So I would not tell you to eliminate beans. Let's look at other things they have us eliminate in the paleo diet. They eliminate dairy. Now, for some people, milk, especially those who are lactose intolerant and others, dairy can impact how they feel. So you know, you can always try an elimination diet, a little bit of dairy, but overall, for the most of us, we don't need to eliminate dairy fully. Now, let's look at what you are eating. Number one, paleo diet tells you to eat a lot of protein. But here's where I want me to pause. I want you to look at what kind of proteins you are eating. 
you know, don't just go out and buy any old uh, burger that you see and say that you're being a healthy uh, paleo eater. That's really not the case. When you eat proteins, I want you when it's beef to stick to grass fed. That's very important. Avoid those that have, uh, stick to ones that also don't have antibiotics. Super important. When you're eating fish, the best are wild salmon is a great alternative as opposed to some of the others that may have antibiotics or be more farm raised. So what you're eating, that quality of protein is very important. As opposed to eating, you know, bologna, if you eat bologna, maybe technically you're on the paleo diet, but you're not doing anything for your health. So pay attention to the protein. Stick to high quality fats, omega-3s, olive oils, avocados, nuts, and seeds. And stay away from a lot of the vegetable oils like canola oil, sunflower, corn, and especially soybean oil. Do those things. Maybe it's not sticking to paleo to the letter of the law. There's a lot of diets out there. I advise these kind of rules as opposed to any one specific diet. And you're going to be a lot healthier. Now, our next writer had said, um, and by the way, Ryan, thank you for the comment on that. It's great advice. Love hearing the comments. Um, Our next one said that when a woman takes birth control pills for years, can she become infertile? Now, this is a really common question that we hear from women concerns because especially in today's world, a lot of women are starting birth control pills when they're in college and a lot of them, especially millennials and younger, are not really starting to have family until they're in their 30s. So they're on birth control pills for decades. And is it harming you when it comes to fertility? It used to be thought that it could lead to some uh, irregularity or dysfunctional cycles. Really, that's not the case. So depending on the birth control pill that you're on, it can take anywhere from 30 to 90 days, usually about 30 days. 98% of people will have their cycles back by 90 days for ovulation to return and for fertility to return. Um, That's the same for continuous pills and for cyclical pills. Um, but the reason I wa- want to talk about this, why it's so important is because I do see that a lot of women will come off the pill and they'll be irregular for months and they'll just say, well, it's just due to the fact that I was on the pill. And that's actually why I think this myth is so dangerous. Because if you come off the pill and it's been months and you're still irregular, I want you to get to your doctor, especially if you're trying to start having a family Because it's more common and more likely that somewhere during those 10 years or 15 years that you were on the pill, due to aging or a variety of other things, your body became irregular. And now you didn't know it because your pill was doing its job of keeping you on that cycle. When you come off the pill, that unmasks that. So it's more important that you figure out exactly why you are now irregular. So don't just blow it off and think it's because I was on the pill. In reality, it could just be something going on in your own body chemistry, and seeing your doctor is a great way to figure out what's going on so you can get to the bottom of it sooner rather than later by not just chalking it up to the pill. Now, let's see, find another question. Okay, here's a great one. They had asked about um, a broken heart syndrome two years ago, and the, our reader, uh, June, says that she was told that it mimics a heart attack, but it's not a heart attack, and that it should heal, and that recurrence is rare. And if you have broken heart syndrome, is that considered congenital heart failure? This is a fascinating uh, case, and, and June, I'm sorry that you had to go through it, because it's, it's very rare. But it's important that we do talk about it because we do hear about it periodically. Now, broken heart syndrome, the technical term for it is takotsubo. It's a Japanese term, and it actually means an octopus pot. It was apparently the shape of a pot they would use to catch an octopus because in takotsubo's cardiomyopathy, it means that your heart actually expands. And instead of being, it's kind of, I'll try to show people on Facebook Live, instead of being a regular kind of very compact shape, it balloons out at the end. And cause 
causes this shape. Apparently, it was in the shape of the head of an octopus. Now, why does it happen? It is felt to happen more in women. And as opposed to a heart attack, which is due to, you know, a little a blood clot in the vessel due to thrombosis, Takotsubo is felt to be due to a surge of catecholamines, epinephrine, norepinephrine, adrenaline that often happens after a very stressful event. So we do see this happen, uh, again, often in women as a result of maybe a family member that got sick or sudden catastrophe. We've seen more incidences of Takotsubo, again, broken heart syndrome, cardiomyopathy, after uh, cases of mass casualties, mass catastrophes, um, even war scenarios. So again, June, it's not due to any problem in your blood vessels. It's true to literally your body flooding with this surge of adrenaline that essentially shocked your heart and caused it to go into this. It does heal and it does have a very good prognosis. And so I hope you are feeling better. I'm sorry you had to go through that. And I hope that uh, you're coming out the other side and starting to feel better and that this can help you understand it. So everybody, that's all our questions for today. Thank you for submitting any questions. Check us out at 2 p.m. I'll be on Facebook Live with ShareCare and do that every Tuesday at 2 p.m. And again, check out ShareCare Radio on sharecare.com backslash RadioMD. Leave us your questions here. I'll try to answer them every Tuesday at 1 p.m. This is Dr. Daria. You're listening to ShareCare Radio on RadioMD. Thanks for listening and stay well. <laughs>